Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. It's such a powerful day today. Um, I just wanted to, just a couple of things I wanted to mention that um, I feel like that some of y'all are going to have some extreme reactions and confirmations today. And so I just encourage you to do whatever is in your heart to do. I told Cece, if anybody starts running around the room, just keep talking. <laughs> and as Bill Johnson would say, if you get tired of listening, then you can go home. Um, and I don't know how long we'll be here today. Um, and if, if the Holy Spirit lifts and we will finish on Wednesday. So with that being said, um, uh, I just want to ask the girls to pass out the books up here. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that have happened in the process of making these. And so I just wanted to honor CC for hours and hours and hours. I mean, I've spent hours and hours and hours, but she spent more than me. And what an awesome writer and editor that she is. And I just want to thank Aubrey and Tessa for just the beautification. I told them that they make it come alive for us. And um, inter interesting as we begin to go through it, um, it's probably about 82 pages long. And uh, not not that... That, that that probably sounds daunting to you, but some of them are, are all in picture form. So, um, but as you look at it, the front of it, I think that it begins to tell the story of what's on our heart for this year. And I appreciate the collaboration of Aubrey and Tessa's drawings um, of of what you see represented there. In some strange way, it turned into a little hologram for us. And that was a little bit unintentional, but awfully cool. But if you weren't alive in the 80s, you may not know what that hologram really looks like. But um, for us old people, we know what that looks like. Um, Cece has a necklace on today that I got her that represents part of her word of the year. So it's kind of fun and exciting what he's doing. And I received this necklace um, from Tessa, I believe and Vinton um, this year that also has to do with it. So lots of confirmations coming, but let's just jump right in, shall we? Uh, my part is about 1% of the word of the year this year, and Cece's is the 99, so she's given me the honor just to go first. So um, whenever I begin to prepare for the word of the year, all kinds of things begin to happen. Um, and today, last night while I was asleep, um, I dreamed and I had a meeting with a man in this building and it was, um, it was the Holy Spirit. I didn't know it in the dream, but he began probably much like what happened whenever, um, Moses, uh, Noah built the ark and Moses did the tabernacle. God is very specific about, um, things and he and he took me through every inch of this expansion out here and he had a ta measuring tape in his hand and he kept measuring to preciseness and was showing me where to put everything and it was really funny because in the dream I remember when I uh, in the dream I went to Pam and I said 
oh my gosh, uh, this guy showed me how to solve all the problems that we have out here. And so it was really impactful to me when I woke up this morning and I felt like it was just an indicator of just what's coming. And so the part that I wanted to start with, um, I have two parts that came from specific dreams I had this year um, or last year. And so I kept hearing though when I would wake up several mornings in a row he just kept saying look to the door look to the door look to the door and I kept asking him what was the door and so I put in and um I actually um I forgot that I wrote a little something I was going to read because I don't have that on this let me read my little my little precursor divine inspiration we live in an open heaven. We live in the mandate from heaven to display him, to co-labor with divinity on earth, to bring the Father's will into view, to be accomplished and obeyed. What a privilege. It's a privilege, right? Are you excited about that privilege? This year is 24. Those numbers represent multiplication and creativity. This is the year of multiplication of creativity. We believe this word represents that beautiful multiplication of his creativity displayed on and in us. This word was inspired by our precious Holy Spirit through dreams, visions, and an investigative process of his word, conversations with the Godhead, and a unified collaboration. Because it comes from heaven to earth, many words and pictures will be a confirmation to those who have diligently longed for this word to be released. We can all receive with excitement this outpouring of his love. Our corporate mandate of protect the revelations of Jesus is the heart behind the process of revealing what is revealed to us. We protect his revelations by making them known, by documenting them, by speaking about them, and most importantly, by expanding and obeying them. We are excited to present this year's prophetic word of the year and all honor and glory go to the King of King, the King of glory as we open the pages of his expansion of us as sons and daughters, as brides who have chosen to make herself ready, as the ones who become a drink for our King. We love you and we long for your lives to be changed by his words as ours has been. So if you move over to page five, um, in this particular season of the open door, he gave me these four doors. Look to the door. It's four of 24. Um, he told me about this movement of true repentance and a lifestyle of restoration. Now, you know, I get the privilege of expanding the word of the year um, throughout the year. And so today I'm just going to do some highlighted portions for you. But we will t be talking more about all of these. The second door he told me about was deep revelation, and that was going to come through humility. Um, and I'm excited to delve into more of that. Who really wants some deep revelation from the Holy Spirit? I love his revelation. Um, the next one was unexpected opportunities of a godly origin. You know, it's interesting because um, Bro had this happen to him yesterday. Um, you never know where these unexpected opportunities are going to come. And it was interesting. Shudi was telling me that he had this opportunity yesterday that they were supposed to do 
a recording in Norman and they had made this special pedal for this special guy and then the guy called to cancel. And so then they were trying to decide they were going to cancel and then somebody said, well, bro, you can do it. And so what was really cool was when he was telling Shudi about it, then she stepped into her anointing. She began to release over him just the power of this unexpected opportunity. Now, of course, they didn't know anything about what we're talking about today. But what he told me was that these are not um, common, ordinary doors, um, but they're unique opportunities of his making. And sometimes they may feel challenging comparatively. I think the caution that he gave me was that um, th these are not going to be common things. So like if you've already thought of it and then you're just like, oh, that's that thing I thought of. Well, that's probably not it. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying they're not going to be good things. Just keep in mind that as I'm releasing this word, I'm not trying to project all the possibilities that this has for you. That's why we have to have discernment. And then I don't know if you know this, but Cheryl had said this before, and God had told me this about yielding to yield. So about came out of my chair when she said it. But yield our own opportunities for godly doors of expansion. I just keep hearing that expanding, expanding. And think about it just like the dream I had. Whenever we decide and we put our heart towards something, God then puts his heart with us to show us what to do. You know, I'm just telling you, I spend most of my days saying to him, I don't know what to do. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what to do. So if you think arriving with the Holy Spirit and walking his ways, all of a sudden you're just going to know everything. That's not, that's not, the, the more you walk with him, the less you feel like you know. So the more that you know, the more that you're locked in, that you don't need any assistance, you're probably locked into your own soul. And so keeping that in mind, this is a great verse to memorize this year. He says, I don't have a slide for this, I don't think. He said, well, I am the gateway. Think about that. That's what's represented on the front of this book is Jesus is that door. He's the gateway. Within Jesus is the opening to all the things we're going to talk about today. And to enter through me, I like to rephrase that, is just experience. You don't want experience outside of entering through him. That's not the kind that counts. And so then, then you experience this life, freedom, and satisfaction. Don't you like that? Satisfaction in God's world is a much bigger word than our world. In our world, satisfaction is just sort of a minimum. For him, it's the maximum. And so I like this statement he told me, God's desire for these epic times. I like epic we are living in is the redemption and restoration of mankind. It is not for doom, gloom, and destruction. It's time to change the narrative from watching the negative to accelerating and advancing the positive. The true kingdom position is love. God's desire to see people and cities transformed by people who walk with presence and power foremost on their minds and in their hearts and in their walks. So I felt like that was a really good um, overview for me of what I'm going to be looking for in 24. Um, and think about it. If you keep those things before you, I think, you know, I like to keep before me what is true repentance for me. 
What is a lifestyle of restoration for me? What is deep revelation for me? Not just an overall thing. Just think if all everyone in here begin to say, this is what's going to happen to me this year, then I think we would under, we would see those things happening more rapidly. Um, and then the next little thing on page six is probably six in your book. Doesn't have a page number. Um, I, he he wrote this um, word. Uh, spoke this word to me, and I wrote it. And this is from him to you: There is life in me. There is freedom in me. There is satisfaction in me. Come through the door daily. Say daily. To experience new life, come through the door to see the expansion of my kingdom. Come through the door of your future to see all those coming to follow my leading. I will lead them to drink of the waters of your experience with me. Come, hands extended, to receive freedom and satisfaction. I will satisfy the hungry. I will satisfy the lonely. I will satisfy the rejected. I will satisfy the disappointed ones. I'm providing open doors for you this year. I'm opening opportunities for you to explore freedom with me. Be conscientious and guided by the Holy Spirit into the more of me. The enemy will have counterfeit open doors waiting for you as well, so be mindful. Sharpen spirit-led discernment. My doors will be marked by my spirit and by the impossible. The enemy's doors will be marked by the common. Those who love righteousness, my righteousness, will share in the glory of bringing my justice to this generation. I will make you oaks of righteousness planted by me to be a display of my glory. Come with me this year and become my tree of life for all nations to come and follow my glory display on you. Now, this next page, I had a dream, and in the dream, um, there was a lot of things about fives, but I had there were three fives in particular, and I woke up in the middle of the night. This was back in September, and I looked up this scripture, Isaiah 55, 5, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, this is what I'm going to do this year. And this is what it says. Look, you will summon nations you've never heard of. Nations who have never heard of you will come running to follow you because Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. I like it that it says, look. Listen, what this means is that people you weren't even soliciting you know, Bailey has an awesome testimony just from the other day. She's been putting some hair on a girl for <laughs> two years. You know, some people want it off and some people want it on. <laughs> and you got to strategically know where it goes or where it comes off or you could get in trouble. But the girl was telling her that she's um, hungry. for the word of God, for the move of his spirit. And 
she began to Bailey began to tell her, you know, and and it was it was awesome because Bailey realized that Bailey saturated in it, the thing the girl was hungry for. We could we could take it for granted, couldn't we? Couldn't we? But then, I guess the conversation turned and she realized that the girl had been watching us on YouTube and they didn't even know it. That sounds like a summons to me. Bring people to you that don't know you. See, we may be known as eyelash people or whatever you're known for, but in the spirit you're known as something else. So the thing, the hunger in them is drawn to the thing in you that you can impart to them. So he's summoning nations to you. (laughs) Because he wants to look really big on you. People that you're not even, all you have to know, just like I was saying about what Shudi did for Bro, all she has to know is what she's supposed to impart. If you just have that down, just have your narrative down, then you'll know. When they come, you'll be ready. And God is, I mean, think, look at this scripture in full. Listen, I like it. Listen, look, listen, look. Are you thirsty for more? Does this not, this, I think Bailey could say this epitomizes this, this young lady that she talked to. She's thirsty. Come to the refreshing waters and drink. There is a river. There is a river. Even if you have no money, Come buy and eat. Yes, come and buy all the wine, milk you desire. It won't cost a thing. Why spend your hard-earned money on something that can't nourish you or work so hard for something that can't satisfy? So listen carefully to me, and you'll enjoy a sumptuous feast, delighting in the finest of food. Pay attention and come closer to me and hear that your total being may flourish. This is the answer to physical health problems right here. As if we're not careful, the move of God will feel like a disease to us. I will enter into an everlasting covenant with you, and I will show you the same faithful love that I showed David. See, I made him a witness to the nations. An example of leadership, a prince and commander of peoples. Look, you will summon nations you've never heard of. Nations who have never heard of you will come running to follow you because of Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel, has glorified you. That's his desire. Make your glory all shiny. I'm going to be talking about this in the coming weeks. What is your purchasing power? Don't you love it? Because he said, come buy and eat if you don't have any, even if you don't have money. So we're buying it with something. Might be good for y'all to search out in in advance. But then the last scripture on this page I have is Matthew 11. It says, Jesus exclaimed. I would like to do it in the Jesus exclaimed voice, but it would be loud. <laughs> Father, thank you. 
For you are the Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth, and you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud. That's why it comes through humility and think they're wise and unveiled it instead to little children. Father, you've chosen this gracious plan to extend, extend your kingdom. The extension of his kingdom is through correct eyesight. Cece is going to expand that for you in her word, which is amazing. And um, the last um, little snippet I have for you is I also had another dream. And it was the same night that I dreamed about Aubrey and Jared. And it was prior to the dream I had about them that everything on the earth was flooring, flowing upward. And you see Scout has made the flow there she is in the middle of your page. She's super happy about it, too. She will be signing autographs at the end for you. And think about it that um, just I've, I felt like this was just a focus for us um, just about just the beauty of God's joy. That, that as our hearts begin to meditate on Him, there's something of it that begins to come out. We just, we can't control it. And everything around us begins to exalt Him. Let's just do that for a minute, can we? Let's just begin to just say, we just want all of us to flow up to, to all of you today. And so we just expand the desire of our hearts to just give you honor for everything to rise up to you today, to its rightful place of honor to you today. We just bless, we just bless it, we just bless it. We just bless what you're doing. It says in Micah, in the last hopeful days, that's where you're at. The temple mountain of the eternal one will tower over all other mountains. You know, we talk about the seven mountains a lot. It will be raised above the hills and people, people, say people, will flow up it like rivers. There is a river. The nations of the world will say, come. <laughs> Let's go up, everyone, to the mountain of the eternal one to the house of the God of one life. So he can teach us his way and we can follow in his footsteps for God's law will march out of Zion, the eternal word from Jerusalem. I had Tessa draw me this little picture. It's the word of God in combat boots. And it's on the move. I'm telling you, the word is going to become popular. So it's time for us to learn it, to love it, post it around our house, memorize it. We are living in the days of hope, days where we are moving upward and outward, days where people will be running to know more of what we know, the ways of God. God's word is on the move. God's word is marching onward. Since God's, I read this in, Brian Simmons wrote a precursor in the book of Revelation, and he said this, God's glory is found 
when truth touches the heart and strikes us with light. That's why that light is coming off of the word. It has the power to penetrate darkness. Because light exists, darkness cannot. Darkness is not an entity. It's just the absence of light. It says understanding comes when humility and revelation meet. That's a good line for you to underline and meditate on this week. As our hearts are touched by truth, our minds are filled with light. That's the mind renewal process right there. This revelation enabled Daniel to interpret dreams. Think about all that that light would enable you to do. This revelation enabled Daniel to interpret dreams, Paul to teach heavenly truths, and John to write the revelation. With unveiled faces, we come to the well of the word and drink deeply, not merely to seek answers, but discover him. Hemi would make a promise this year that you will seek the word to discover God, not to find some answer to your problem. If you will make that one shift, if you'll make that one shift, if you'll quit going to all the scriptures in the Bible you don't understand, and, and so when you act like you don't agree with it, then that means you're just ignorant, and you will start, <laughs> just it reveals who you are. You'll begin to say, I've got to find him in what I'm reading. I say this about Pam, but if I say something and it doesn't line up, she can't figure out if it's true or not, she will go and search it out to make it true. And if you trust, that's what the Word of God is. We're, we're meant to know the nature of God through the Word. And I just pray over you that you will begin to search out His Word and search out this Word that Cece's going to come. Let's invite Cece to come. I just wanted to pray over her. Um, Cece loves tension so much, and she's been enjoying a, an abundance of it lately. And so, Papa, I just want to release the power of your anointing over her right now. I just thank you. <laughs> I just thank you the way you talk to her. I honor the prophetic gift in her. Thank you for making her a prophet to the nations. And I honor the way that you unfold the mysteries that you reveal to her in dreams and in your word that, that only her brain thinks that way. I just love sitting underneath the wisdom that you've given to her for us. And so I just release her in freedom. Let's just tell her that we don't care how long it takes. Just tell her. Thank you. Thank you, Tisa. Wow. Oh, I was trying not to cry already. I know, right? It's such a, the excitement in the air makes me so proud because I can just tell that this house is eager to hear this word. And they're not eager to hear it with any kind of dread, but with excitement. And so it's just, oh, wow, it's just amazing. I am incredibly incredibly honored that the Holy Spirit would give this word to me. Oh, 
And I pray that he will be honored through every word spoken today, of course. It is an incredible word, and it's just, I just, his, he just amazes me. I'm in awe. I'm just constantly in awe of him. I mean, I think in the end, that's the best thing that we could say at the end of the day is, I hope that you are all in awe of him. It's not about understanding everything with our minds today, but it's about receiving something from him that supersedes the English language, that supersedes our mind's ability to understand God is doing something with the release of this word that it doesn't require our mind. You know, there, there are, are seeds being activated in you today, and he's doing that. And so you can just trust that it's, it's happening, okay? Now, my um, word overarching title for, the, for my portion of the word of the year is The Tree of Life Has Been Rewritten. Now, I have several portions. I actually have two words and two dreams covered in this book that we've handed you today. Um, we'll see how much we get through. But the first word and the first dream are the real um, launching point, the real focal point of, of, um, of this word of the year. So the tree of life has been rewritten, and we'll get to that in a minute. That will make more sense in a minute. But we're going to start in a place called Resurrection Eyesight. And as I was thinking about this yesterday, oh man, you know, God is so good. I realized that what I was trying to explain to Tisa how I saw this going and how I saw the even the order that he poured out this message to me. And he told me to, to just pour it out for you in the same way, in the same order. And the way he did it is so, you can just see his heart so well, because I would describe it like this. He starts this message with a place that every single person on earth can identify with. Every single person has experienced where we're going to start today, without exception. Okay, without exception. I think I can say that honestly, without exception. I'm thinking even a newborn, okay? Every person has experienced where we're going to start today. So it's a, an identifying place because God is always good to meet us where we're at. And so he sees humanity and he says, he says, I know that you can relate to this part. And he said, I'm going to show you something that you have experienced. And I'm going to lead you to a release of something you have yet to experience, but I'm inviting you to experience. Okay. So by the end of what we cover today, even if we don't get all through it, I think you will experience that. You're going to experience a fascination. Um, you're going to be enthralled, enraptured, just caught up in something that you can't even comprehend that you could experience, but you were being invited to it. And then we get the joy of exploring that all year long. And so this is very, very much a prophetic message, okay? One of the things that the Holy Spirit had to remind me of and help me delineate as I was preparing this, because this could have easily been a 500-page book if I didn't pare it down into some sort of a structure of what he wanted to flow out today, was that this is a prophetic message. Message. Every single point in here, there's a million teaching points. There's a, We could have sermon after sermon after sermon after on just portions of this word. But this is me relaying a message to you, okay? So I've done some interpreting of it, and, and I'm going to share and release what I've gathered. He's saying, but he's saying undoubtedly more than what I can even share with you today. But what I'm going to do is spell out what he told me in this message, okay? 
So we're going to start with um, resurrection eyesight. I'm trying to get these notifications to get off of my screen. Okay. Resurrection eyesight. So um, this all started for me on November 3rd. I was not having a good day. Remember I said we could all relate? <laughs> yeah, I was not having a good day. I was not feeling great. I was not optimistic about my day or my life in general, pretty much, okay? And I sat down to talk with the Holy Spirit about that. And I just want to, to read some a couple of lines from how I started. We're not going to read all of this. However, I will say that um, Tisa and her wisdom um, knew that we should put the full words are at the very back of your book. So when you're at home later, you can read the full word from beginning to end and do a deeper dive on that. Okay. I'm just going to cover some sections of it today out loud. So I started with this, Yahweh, Yeshua, Holy Spirit, come and wash me with your wind today. I can't exactly see the grime, but I feel its weight. I'm not sure what needs tending to, releasing, mending, or redefining, but I know that my soul is not receiving the pure joy and hope of your presence today. Something is in the way. Something is causing me to find safety and comfort in settling, in accepting something less than the dream you planted in me. I went on to find myself surprisingly talking about how childlike faith had been operational in my life. I don't know where that came from. It was the Holy Spirit. Because I wasn't thinking about how I'd been operating in childlike faith and now wanted to be shut down. But that is exactly what he showed me as I was talking with him, is that, oh, I've been operating in childlike faith, and that's where you experience the joy. That's where you experience the pure joy of the dream that he put in you. And I can tell that that's being shut down in me right now. So in that moment, I was shut down. I was closing off my heart because, you know, if you don't get your expectations up, then your expectations can't be dashed and you can protect yourself from harm. That's the theory, right? That's the flawed theory. You can't operate with God in a shutdown state and you can't experience all that he wants to give you in a shutdown state. And so I began to find myself expressing how, I, how I'd come out of this place where all I did was breathe shallow breaths. I lived in this shutdown place in my past where all I could do was breathe shallow breaths because I didn't dare to take full breaths because a full breath was risky, okay? Metaphorical of how my heart condition was. But I realized that he had healed me of that. I don't live that way anymore. I don't live with shallow breath. Without me realizing it, I live taking deep breaths every day. I live with childlike faith operational in me. That's now my normal, okay? So on this particular day, I was realizing, wow, I'm not in my sweet spot. That's one way of saying it, right? I'm not where you've, the, the place that you've healed me at. I'm somewhere else. And I'm finding comfort there. I'm, I'm kind of wanting to stay there. And I said, you must have a different plan for your childlike faith to keep believing without being restrained. Because I want to keep believing, but I have real life experiences that tend to make me want to shut down. And so that's where I started off on this journey with him. And let me read what he said. What, I asked him, what's your 
plan for maintaining childlike faith because that's something that, you know, we're called to enter the kingdom of God as little children. We're called to live this life with childlike trust and faith. That's how you enter the kingdom. But isn't that one of the greatest challenges of life is to maintain childlike faith and childlike trust. It says that we will have trouble. The word says you will have trouble and disappointment, pain. You will experience that in, the, in this life. The Bible doesn't say that you will be exempt from it. It says you will. So if he says you must have childlike faith and you enter the kingdom like a child, but you are going to have trouble, then what is his solution for maintaining that so that we can live out every day? And so I'm going to read some of what he said. He said, I have all the time in the world to spend with you, and I actually desire to look with you at all the details of life, including the missed moments, the hard times, the pain that breaks and leaves disappointment behind. In fact, I've already made a secret garden just for this. I've planted the softest grass, and I've covered the shaded places in velvet moss, Flowers designed with you in mind are placed just right to catch your eye. Here, beauty beckons for your wonder to rise, reminding you of the sweeter things of life. Yes, I've planted a place of refuge for you where comfort grows in ample supply, full of answers to all your whys, and streams of soothing waters flow to wash the wounds of your soul. So I found myself thinking, honestly, what's the point? That sounds wonderful. That sounds amazing, and I've experienced that before. It sounds glorious, but right now, the disappointment was so heavy on my heart that I was like, I know that's good, but I'm probably going to get disappointed again. So what's the point of going to this beautiful secret garden if it's just going to happen again? That was where I was at. And I think, again, everybody can relate to being feeling that way sometimes. So I told him, I said, I can see that this is comforting to me personally, and this would be a wonderful experience. But my problem is occurring with other people. You know, it's other people that disappoint us usually. My problem is occurring with other people. And so I said, what, is, what could change with other people by me coming and visiting this garden? because that's where the disappointment comes from. And so he went on to tell me, and this is all laid out in his incredible way in the full word back of the book, but he went on to tell me about how trauma and harm plants seeds in our hearts, that seeds of trigger, basically. It plants seeds of the pain that you experience. So the first time you experience disappointment, a seed of disappointment was planted in your, in your heart. Now the enemy's plan and design for harm and for pain is to make you relive that without it ever having to happen again. He tries, he's, you know, he's not really willing to continue to do it over and over again. He's counting on this efficient system of harming you once and setting a trigger inside you that will just make you relive it over and over again because the enemy doesn't even have to come and do anything again. It's an investment for him when you're harmed. It's an investment of the enemy when you're harmed. And so he's counting, the enemy's counting on the fact that you'll just relive that every time it gets triggered up. And so 
we've heard about this before. We've talked about triggers and we're, we're aware of how they affect us in our present day. So in our present day, we're having real life experiences and they remind us of a pain of the past and we put it on the present. But I would say, honestly, around here, I have found myself mostly trying to remove the trigger myself. I would say that I pray, and we pray for people to remove the harm, remove the triggers and all of that. But my after that, my thought is, remember, this isn't current. Christy, remember, when you get triggered, this doesn't have to do with your present reality. Just remember it, Christy. That's really putting the responsibility back on me and my mind to keep that trigger from being active. And in this word, I realized Jesus wanted to tell us what he does with our triggers. Jesus wants to describe what happens in that secret garden that he's placed, made for us and what he does to the trigger that actually doesn't have anything to do with us. So let me read what he told you about that. He said, I sever the ties that remind. My healing isn't just a momentary trip to the nurse's office. I don't place band-aids and send you on your way. I remove every bit of debris from the wound so that it can fully heal and be made whole. I flush the broken open places with my own blood. I stake a claim over the land each wound threatens to take. I claim it once again as mine and decree that my suffering paid the price for it. He said, I look with my resurrected eyes, not just in spirit, but in the physical body that Yahweh said to rise. I embody wholeness. I am wholeness. And my presence decrees victory and resurrection life for all that I see. Yes, as the one who overcame death, hell, and the grave, who rose into the heavens as the embodiment of God joined with mankind, I see with resurrection eyes. So when I look upon your wounds from life, my eyes release resurrection into glory. My eyes see the completeness of my own journey. My eyes see your wounds as my own, now shining with glory and wholeness. Your vulnerability with me, your willingness to come away and let me see, releases resurrection life and glory, allowing me to see inside prophesies over every wound that it too will be seated in glory, seated at the right hand of the Father with heavenly perspectives, ruling and reigning with love's perfection. He said, this is the plan I made for childlike faith to be sustained in this life. This is the way childlike faith thrives. The gaps between experience and faith become gateways for resurrection eyesight. The gaps between our experience with real life, real life disappointment, real life pain, and what our childlike faith is believing for become gateways for resurrection eyesight. 
And I just want to elaborate on this for a minute. Think about this. Did you hear what Jesus was saying? This is Jesus taking ownership over your places of wounds, your woundings, your triggers, all of the. He's saying, no, 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 that's not okay with me. I paid the price for that. That part of your heart belongs to me. I paid the price for that. I remember the day I paid the price for it, and I'm not okay with you not having what I paid the price for you to have in that spot of your heart. He said, I look at your wound, not just in theory, not just in the form of a spirit, but with physical resurrected eyes. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus did not, his body did not die on the earth. He was on the cross. He was buried in the tomb, but he was resurrected and he walked the earth for 40 days. And then he ascended. Jesus is still in a physical body. It's not just a spirit that we can't see. His physical eyes have been resurrected from the dead and are supernatural and are infused with power. And he's saying, when I look at your wound, when I look at that place where your heart has been shattered and where you are disappointed, I'm looking with the very same same eyes that walked out of that tomb, the very same eyes that were resurrected from the dead. That is no small matter. So letting Jesus see our wounds is no small matter. It's not a matter of just us feeling better. Something's happening when we let him in to see what's really going on with us. He said, this is the plan for your childlike faith to be sustained. And I think we can see that in its simplest form. We have childlike faith. We have trust. Something happens. We're disappointed. We have pain. We're tempted to shut down and guard our heart in that place instead. But he comes in and repairs it, makes it, he clears all the debris out so that your childlike faith can breathe again. So you can breathe again from that same place, right? So then your childlike faith can continue. But there's way more that he's saying in this word than just that. So much more. That's just the beginning. That's just the starting place of healing you and removing the pain. He uses his authority. Now, there's a key for us here, and so much of this, like I said, we're going to have to dive deep into all of this throughout the year, but there's a key here. He looks with his authority and commands all the harm, all the debris from the wound to leave. He uses his authority to make it leave your body, leave your soul. A soul has been described by, a cat cur describes it as, it's an incredible way. It's like... um, a vacuum filter. You ever have those cylinder filters in your vacuum and stuff is being pulled through, right? And the filter catches things. And our soul is like that. So debris, we're breathing, we're having, we're doing life and stuff gets stuck in our soul. But Jesus comes and he wipes that off. He cleans that debris away. He commands it with his authority to leave and no longer be a part of your soul. But then he releases, he uses power and he releases power into your soul. He releases power into our bodies, into our spirit. He releases his power for something supernatural to happen there, for something to be remade, for a regrowth. We, that's how physical healing takes place when someone has been harmed in an accident, let's say, or let's say they have um, pins in their body from a surgical repair from an accident. Well, authority can tell those pins to leave. Power is needed to make that limb regrow and the the wound, actually all the muscles and fibers reconnect again. That takes supernatural power. It's one thing to kick something out, but it's another thing to cause something to regrow. 
And so he's demonstrating that for us even in this word. But that's kind of a side note. So let's look back at this part. He went on to say, have you ever considered the upgrade that resurrection brought me? The upgrade that Jesus received, okay? I was born through a woman in a very natural state. So it was a supernatural way, but he was born into a natural state. He was man, okay? He was a physical man. He had a soul, spirit, a body, all just like us. So it was a supernatural way, but he was born into a very natural state of being just like us. By 33 years old, my natural man has had sustained plenty of wear and tear, even before it was beaten. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus lived for 33 years. By the time you're 33, you've experienced some stuff. You may not have all the aches and pains of a 60-year-old, but you've got a few. You may have some broken limbs that ache every now and then. There's an, and not to mention the emotional pain, right? By 33 is plenty of time to have had lots of injury to your natural man. So before he was ever beaten, he was a little bit worn, okay? He'd experienced life just like us. But he said, resurrection didn't just restore me to my previous condition. Resurrection remade me. It rebirthed me into an upgrade. I was fully restored, not to an earthly state, but to the divine design for mankind. I walk now in wholeness of body, soul, and spirit. My scars, though present, no longer speak of harm, but of glory's fulfillment. He said, this is the hand I'm now extending glory-filled scars, inviting you to Resurrection's secret garden. Now, this is one of the things that, to me, just made me even more enamored with, with God in awe, that Jesus, in his resurrection, did, does still bear the scars. Right? I mean, remember, he revealed himself to Thomas, and then people had to, he had to put his finger in the scars to prove it was really him. So he wasn't completely... Like God could have made the scars completely gone, but there's so there's so much in that, you know, that the scars were there for a purpose. And so it wasn't a message that said you have to be have never had any scars. You don't in order to be glorified. You're going to be glorified with your scars. You're going to be glorified with the pain and harm that was done to you. But those scars are going to testify of the glory of God, not of the harm that was done to you. So his resurrection, I honestly had not thought about this before. I thought when Jesus was resurrected, it was like, poof, magic, you can't hurt me. I can be made right back into a man, and I'm good, right? Like, like everything that happened on the cross is now undone, and I'm back to being whole, right? But he's saying, no, that wasn't the case at all. He didn't just get restored to a 33-year-old body that had been worn down over time and suffered all the same things we have, he was resurrected into an upgrade. An upgrade. An upgraded fully up. Do you remember that he walked through walls? He appeared on his 40 days on earth. He did incredibly supernatural things in his resurrected body. So when he's resurrected, he's a brand new creation. He's a brand new supernatural upgraded creation on earth. And that's what he's saying he releases over our wounds. 
when we let them let him see us, let him, let him see into our heart. He releases that same supernatural resurrection that resurrects you into an upgrade in that part of your heart. So I don't want to guard my heart where it's been hurt before because each time it gets disappointed or injured, I'm getting an upgrade. I'm resurrecting into an upgraded design. I'm better than I was before. I'm I'm not just restored as if it never happened. I'm an upgrade in that place. Sorry, I got to take a drink. So, oh, there's so much we could say about this. Glory-filled scars inviting you to resurrection's secret garden. Now, this is the, another little point I wanted to make. There's if you studied the whole plan of God, which I can't say that I have studied the whole plan. There's no way I could possibly wrap my mind around it. And I'm just a little girl with childlike faith. I'm not a Bible scholar or a teacher or any of that, okay? I'm just believing what he says, and I'm on in this pursuit with him of discovering all that he says. But in what I have gathered from hearing other people talk and, and reading the Bible, the overarching plan of God is that someday there will be a new heaven and earth created. And so the, the idea is that when we our mortal body dies now, that our spirit and soul will go to heaven. But one day, the earth will be remade and made new, and our spirits will be rejoined to our physical bodies. We will one day, once again, have a physical body perfected, and we will walk the earth again when it is made new, and we will rule and reign with him because it will be fully his kingdom, okay? So if that's the overarching plan, this is what Jesus is saying. He resurrected into that design when he was resurrected from the tomb. He had a physical body. He wasn't just a resurrected spirit, right? He resurrected into the design that someday we will have. We will have a perfectly healed and whole body, and we will have a perfectly good spirit and soul, and we will again walk the earth like this. And so his resurrected design is a, a picture of our destiny. That's a picture of what we're heading to. That's, that's the goal. That's where we're going. That's the whole goal, okay? And so in theory, I would say, in general, we people think that we have to go to heaven before any of that could happen. And I don't know how to delineate all that, like when happen, what happens when and all that. But if that's the goal and Jesus is saying today, you can begin that process now in the places that you have been harmed. The thing that is going to happen, whether you like it or not, you're going to have pain, you're going to have disappointment. That's an opportunity for you to have resurrection, for you to be resurrected. He wants to come into that aspect of your heart and change the way you see. So, you know, we talk about how when you've been through something, you can relate to someone else who hasn't yet been healed in that place. Your healing can be a testimony for someone else who's been healed, needs to be healed of the same thing. Well, this goes along with that. He's saying that he gives that part of your heart that has had that experience resurrection eyes. He gives that part of your heart the same eyes that he has. His resurrected body with his resurrected eyes supernaturally in his perfect whole design that, that testifies of our whole goal 
and our our destiny, where we will end up as Christians, okay, we get to have those eyes, that vision in that part of our heart when we let him do this process. So we receive resurrection eyesight. He looks upon us with resurrection eyesight. He looks at our wounds with resurrection eyesight. And then we then gain resurrection eyesight in that place. So I'm going to read what I wrote here just to see if I've missed anything. This encounter with him and the word tells us that when we allow Jesus to see into us, into our pain and disappointment, that just by him seeing it, we receive an upgrade. That just by allowing his resurrection eyes to view our hurt and our wounds, begin our wounds begin a resurrection process. This resurrection process upgrades us in this place. It is not just a restoration to how we felt before being hurt in that place. It's actually an upgrade. He's saying that in that place where disappointment is trying to settle with its seed of doubt and unbelief, that instead of viewing future events through its triggering lens, we can receive resurrection vision through which to view future life events. So in that place that's normally a trigger for you, it can actually become a place that has great hope and faith and actually prophesies over your future. You can, that place in you now where you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. I, it's, the sting isn't as strong as it used to be, but I can still feel it. That place could become a place of encouragement, could become a place that says, ooh, I know God is good and I know what he's doing and I know where I'm heading and I can prophesying over my future. So the next time I'm triggered in that same way, upgrade, upgrade and, and hope and faith is released in that place. Now this is a, this is a God design. This is a God design, right? Jesus takes what could be a crippling trigger leading to more harm and turns it into a place of upgraded, faith-filled vision. This vision scars us with glory. I mean, we get tattoos, right? We get tattoos because we're like, yeah, I want that thing on me. I just love that picture. I want it to be displayed forever and ever on my body, right? I'm sure that's what you were all thinking with every tattoo you got, right? I mean, I would probably get a tattoo that just said glory or, you know, glory to God or whatever, you know? I mean, there's things we would be like, yeah, I'd be willing to stamp that on my body. But what if we were literally scarred in our body with glory? What if, I mean, think about it. If you saw the holes in Jesus's hand, like if he just appeared right here and said, look at my hands, like he did to some of the disciples, do you think you would see pain and harm or would that be a place of glory? I think it would shine with a glorious light. I think we would be in awe and we would see the glory of God in that place. Not, not something horrible. This vision scars us with glory instead of harm. And then we too can then be carriers of resurrection power. Then, like Jesus, when we look upon a circumstance or a situation or a person, our own viewpoint can prophesy of its glory. Now, if it hasn't clicked for you yet, there's a little flashback to 2022's word of the year here that's so fun. If you remember, 
The observer effect in quantum science, we talked about it in 2022, the beginning. It says, the observer effect says that once matter knows it is observed, it responds. And it responds differently depending on who observes it. Okay, this has been scientifically proven. This is not theology. This is scientifically proven in nature, quantum science, okay? They discovered that the molecules don't move unless somebody looks at them, and then they start moving and shaking, right? And who is looking at them determines what shape they take. That's a simplified way of saying it, okay? Think about that in what we just read, what we just heard. We, we discovered in 2022 that God actually designed this natural world to respond based on who looked at it. So we thought that miracles had to be some divine intervention coming down from heaven like a lightning bolt to touch this fallen planet and this fallen, you know, hopeless earth in order for a miracle to happen. But I've, we've discovered in that year that no, this whole planet, our physical bodies, everything physical in this world was designed by God to respond based on who is looking at it. That means if I'm looking at it with resurrection eyesight and I look at something, it's going to respond with resurrection. This is backed up. Okay, this is backed up by science. This is backed up. And so not only can we do that, but that's what happens in the garden with him when we are willing to open up our hearts and be seen by him and let him see into our wounds. So when I asked at the beginning, what's the point? I think this was a pretty good point. I think this was well worth it, you know, well worth it. It wasn't just about soothing me and patting me on the back for a little bit and making me feel better. It was about healing me and resurrecting me into an upgrade. I mean, wow. We do not comprehend God's plan. Like we have missed so much of it and he's okay with that, but he's unveiling so much of his plan to us right now. This was always his plan. The one thing you know, you cannot escape pain and disappointment. You will not escape this life without it. And so what did he do? He's like, you know what? I'm going to take all those things that you can't help but have happened to you and turn them into a supernatural miracle that resurrects you into an upgrade. You don't even have to go out looking for it. You don't have to say, today I'm going to go and let my foot get run over by a car so that I can get an upgrade. No, it just happens, right? You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be talented. You don't have to be wise to experience pain or disappointment. If you're living and breathing and walking, moving around, you're going to experience it. Wow. Now, this made me, I want to touch on one other point from this that I, I I could see a mindset that we've had that has worked against this. And that's the idea that pain is not an obstacle, it's a gateway. We've got to change that. I think that we have really looked at pain as being an obstacle. And I have. I mean, I'm like, I'm trying to do my destiny. And then next thing you know, you get a phone call, you get something happens, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, good grief. I'm just trying to do my purpose. I'm trying to be hopeful and excited. And then bam, this thing happens. And now I'm knocked off course. That, I would translate that as an obstacle. That's what I think. It's an obstacle, right? So I'd get frustrated after year after year, a month after month, you have an incredible breakthrough. And the next thing you know, you have some kind of challenge come up. And it's like, man, I wish I could go forward and just keep running forward and not have to trip over these obstacles. Well, we've had it wrong with this in mind. Pain and disappointment are not the obstacles that we thought they were. We have had this mindset that we are at our best when we avoid pain. 
We're like, man, I went for a whole week and I didn't get tripped up. I was at my best this week. Like I was able to stay in my sweet spot for a week because nothing happened to me. I succeeded. I was at my best. I brought my best self, right? But that's not true. We're not at our best when we avoid pain. With what we just heard, we're actually better. We, if, if we do this process, which is the key, if we do this process with him, then we become better after having some sort of pain. And so that's a mindset. And this is what I realized. The truth is we are not at our best when we avoid pain. If we believe we are at our best only when we don't have pain in our lives, we will make that the goal. We will make it the goal because everybody, no matter who you are, they want to be their best. You naturally want to be your best self. And so we will try to avoid pain if we think pain is an obstacle and a a deterrent to being our best. But God has just said, oh, no, you are actually you don't even know what your best is. That state you were in before you got hurt, that wasn't your best. That was just your that was just your starting point. That was just like you're in raw form, but that's not your best. You've got seeds of resurrection in there. You've got divine appointed, divine design into full resurrection life in your heart. That just cracked it open so it could come out. You know, it's not an obstacle. When we are preoccupied with avoiding pain, we will minimize the goal of healing. This, we've minim- with that mindset, we've minimized what healing was. What we've been praying for, we minimized it. What we've been crying out for, we've minimized it. We minimized the goal of healing because we believed that we were better before we had pain. So we've been praying essentially to say, make it so that this never happened. Make me new again so this never happened. Make this thing, make it like I, this never happened in my life, that I never experienced this pain, that I never had this happen in my physical man. Make it like that never happened. That's what we're crying out for. Heal me, Jesus. That's what we've been saying to him because we've been missing this nugget, this, this aspect of what his plan was for healing. So if we don't correct this mindset, We will minimize the whole goal of healing and we will use our faith to hope that healing will just return us to a state of mind before pain occurred. But God intended healing to advance us into a greater state of being, not return us to a former state. So healing is to advance you, not just make it so like pain is not a part of life. That's a big mind shift for us, isn't it? It really is. We don't want to live our life preoccupied with avoiding pain by mistaking that all we're going to do is try to get back to the starting point. We're meant to be upgraded. So if pain happens, that's okay. It's okay because I just got upgraded. I just got upgraded. We will live our whole, this will dramatically change how we live life, the courage that we have living out life, the faith that we operate with, the risk we're willing to take, it will dramatically change that. We were not at our best before pain happened. We are not at our best before pain happened. We have to remember, and he told me this at this point in time, he said, remember the kingdom of God is always advancing. 
That's, a, that's in the Bible. It's scripture. The kingdom of God is always advancing. So the kingdom of God on earth is never backtracking. It's God has set, set it. Whether we can see it or not, doesn't matter. The kingdom of God is always advancing. It cannot be stopped. And if you've been around here for any length of time, if you've ever heard other words that I've read, the kingdom of God is advancing in us. First and foremost, on the in this world, the kingdom of God advances inside people. It's not about what's happening out on the street. It's about what's happening here. So if the kingdom of God is always advancing, and the kingdom of God is always advancing in you, then you're moving forward no matter what happens to you, no matter what disappointment, no matter what pain. So healing, this make this connects us with how this could be true. Healing, pain is just going to make you better. You're just going to get better. Disappointment is going to lead you into a resurrection in that place. So not only will we experience resurrection, but we will have resurrection eyesight through which to view other people, our circumstances, the world around us. Just imagine what we could impact. The gaps between our real life experience and our childlike faith become gateways for resurrection eyesight. So I want to look at a couple of scriptures. I, I also wrote that um, our child, when our childlike faith encounters disappointment and pain, we've stepped into a gateway to our transfiguration. Now, Tisa found this incredible definition for what transfigured means. It means to be elevated, to become thoroughly or dramatically more beautiful. So I think that's the perfect word for what we just talked about. You get transfigured in that place. You're resurrected and your being is transfigured. Your heart is transfigured in that place. So when I went back and looked at these verses that I'd read before, they took on a whole new meaning. And they made a lot more sense to me. And I felt like I could just see into them deeper. So I want to share a couple with you. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says that, But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that this verse can't mean other things too, but with this word in mind that he's just revealed to us, can you not see something new in there? When you turn to the Lord with an open heart and the veil is lifted, that means saying, okay, I will not guard my heart in this moment. I will come into the secret garden with you and be real with you, and I will not guard or harden my heart with you. That means that's turning to the Lord with an open heart and lifting the veil. Now, and when it says wherever he is Lord, we've got to think bigger than just a physical location. It's not just wherever he's Lord in this world. It's where in your heart is he Lord. That place of wounding, you know, there's just, we're just multifaceted beings. It's not like your entire heart gets blown up and your entire faith gets blown up when you're hurt in a certain way. It's a portion. 
It's an aspect, right? It's just it's looking at things with a certain way. You might have incredible faith in one area and be shut down in another. And so it's where in your heart, in your soul, that he is Lord, that's where you have freedom. And so that's why we have to take each of those places to him. I remembered that, um, it, that reminded me that, you know, in Exodus 34, it talks about how Moses was the only one that would go and talk with God. Remember the, the Israelites in the wilderness wanted Moses to talk to God and, and just trans relay what he said. And Moses's face began to glow from his time with God and the people freaked out about that. So he wore a veil over his face so that they couldn't see as much. And so couldn't see him shining and be scared. So, but every time Moses went back to talk to God, he removed the veil. And I just think that's a picture for us. God's plan was always for us to talk with him unveiled. I mean, you can look back after story after story. He never meant for us to guard our own heart or for there to be any kind of wall between us and him. We are meant to be unveiled. It was always his plan, even before Jesus. You know, Moses, when all that was taking place, was before Jesus had come and saved mankind. Okay? So even then, God said, come to me face to face. Come and see me face to face. Even without the price that was paid on the cross. That was God's heart. That's his plan. It's, I, I wrote this, when the veil is lifted, it says that we see, right? In that scripture, when the veil is lifted, they see. But perhaps the change in our ability to see actually begins by us turning to him, letting him see into us. We see, maybe what it's talking about there is they see, that's the resurrection eyesight that we receive by letting him see us, Right? Perhaps the act of choosing to be transparent with him makes him Lord. And that is what really changes us. This unveiling process of being transparent before him is what leads us into the transfiguration or resurrection into our upgraded nature like the resurrected Jesus. Let's look at another one. 2 Corinthians 4, 10. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. We consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then, death is at work in us, but it releases life in you. Now, that was a tough one, right? I mean, when you're a new believer and you read that, you're like, I don't know. I thought this was all, I thought I just got saved. And now you're saying I'm going to share in some death. I don't know what you're talking about. And how can death in me release life in you? Like, this is mind-blowing. And this doesn't sound like what I'm on right now. But I will trust you. That's what I've done. That's what I did. (laughs) So... But in this, this light, it makes so much more sense to me. You know, I realize disappointment and pain are elements of death. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we don't have to experience a literal death threat or come near death like in our physical man to share in the death of Jesus. Okay, remember Jesus experienced pain and disappointment all the, on all the levels, just like we do. So those are elements of death. So we don't have to have a literal death threat to be experience being handed over to death. So 
living, we consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake. So we, it says, we reveal resurrection life of Jesus to humanity by being a carrier and a distributor of resurrection life, not just by experiencing our own resurrection from pain and disappointment. So again, that is how death at work in us releases life to you. If I experience pain and disappointment as elements of death, but I do this resurrection process with him, I, and now I have resurrection eyesight, then when I see you, I just release life to you. I release death is at work in us, but it releases life in you. Right. Great. That's awesome. Yes. I believe it. So when I have pain and I have disappointment and I'm sharing in the death of Jesus, I'm released. It's an opportunity for me to be resurrected. And then I walk around and I release life to you. This verse can make sense now with that in mind. That's how we release life in other people, even though we've been harmed and hurt ourselves. Amazing. We need to be a carrier and a distributor. I would say that we've probably thought this was more, this meant more like, well, if I have this horrible experience, but God heals me and I overcome, then I have a great testimony to share with you. And that'll be encouraging to you. And maybe you can hope that'll happen to you too. You know? That was about all I could probably put together with it was that, okay, by the power of the testimony, people are healed. And so if I share my story with you, then I'm releasing the power of the word of testimony, right? But this is saying to me, this word is saying more than that with this resurrection eyes. If I experience pain and disappointment and I'm healed, but I now carry resurrection eyesight, then when I look at you, I'm looking upon your situation with resurrection power. So this isn't just a counseling session. This isn't just a time to talk about and share our stories. No, this is a time for me to look at what's gone on with you, to look at the pain of your life and release a power supernaturally into that experience, into what you're having. That's how it releases life in other people. So death may be at work in us, but it releases life in you. Look at that first verse again. It says, we continually share in the death of Jesus in our own body, in our own bodies, so that the resurrection life of Jesus. We've we've minimized what the resurrection life of Jesus was about. It wasn't just a good story to make us believe in God. No, it was for a purpose. Resurrection life will be revealed through our humanity. It's humanity that experienced pain and disappointment. We, resurrection life of Jesus is always meant to be revealed through our humanity. This word tells us how it can happen. One, uh, two more verses and then we'll take, us, take a break, okay? 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become. But we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him for we will see him as he truly is. Now, that's another one of those mysteriously wonderful verses, right? Like, okay, it sounds awesome. I don't know what it means, but I like it. But I'm seeing this as it's not yet apparent what we will become because as I said, God is saying that you're in your raw state right now. You don't know what you're going to become, 
But in the processes of life, remember this connects so well back to last year's word of the year, which he's just building on. It's the surface tension of life that pulls you into your perfect design. That was last year's in the honeycomb, the hexagon, right? So it's the same thing. You may not know what you're going to become yet, but when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him, for we will see him as he truly is. I'm thinking right now, the as he truly is, is he's resurrected. He's no longer on the cross or in the tomb. And I think that we have been giving our attention to the majority of the Bible when it talks about Jesus. Is, there's more written down about his life before he went to the cross and before he was resurrected. It's, there's not as much written about what, he, what happened after he was resurrected, but we, he was on the earth for 40 days still. Like He did stuff on the earth for 40 days after he was resurrected, but I would say because our it's easier for us to say there's our model and, and model ourselves after him, we've been modeling ourselves after Jesus before he ever was resurrected. Now, that's not bad because he was Jesus, right? It's still good, but I'm saying we have set our sights a little bit low. We've set our sights a little bit low because as he truly is, as he's re resurrected. So I, to me, this verse is talking about there's going to come a time where he's going to reveal something to us about what our true design is, what our true destiny is, and how it's going to happen. And we will see Jesus to be more than what, he actually, what we thought he was. And so as he truly is, as he's resurrected, that's how I connect that to this word. He is no longer on the cross or in the tomb. He is resurrected. Our Jesus is not just walking the earth on the way to a cross. He's not hanging on the cross. He's not in a tomb. He has a resurrected physical body. So we want to be sure and, and have our focus be on the resurrected Jesus, not just on Jesus on his way to the cross. Okay. And as I said, it may be, have just been easier for humanity to focus on that because there's so much written and that's good to focus on what happened before the cross. But you know, when it, the whole <laughs> Christian concept is that when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we supernaturally got put on the cross with him. And so our price of sin was paid, and we are supernaturally resurrected. So think we're, we've kind of missed this, I feel like. We aren't just a fallen human nature. When you're saved, you've made Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Savior you've been resurrected. We've already been resurrected supernaturally, just like we already hung on the cross. And we have a lot of faith for believing that, right? We have a lot of faith for saying, yes, I can believe my sins have been paid for and I'm washed clean and I'm, I'm pure and I'm washed with the blood and I'm white as snow. But we're resurrected also. The resurrection needs to have some, just as much attention as what happened on the cross. And that's what I feel like we are invited into. This word is launching us. Remember I said it was a place started where this, this whole message today starts in a place we can all relate to, and it leads us to an invitation to an experience we haven't yet had. And it says, You're, you can have it now. You can have it. I'm, I'm pouring this out. I am releasing this on earth. And so we are, post-salvation, more like the resurrected Jesus than Jesus on the cross or before the cross. Final verse for this section, Colossians 1.26 I'm in love with this verse now. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed 
unfolded, manifested for every holy believer to experience. Not some holy believers, every holy believer. And it says, now it is being revealed, unfolded, and manifested. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. What have you thought that meant? What have you thought expectation of glory meant? It, does it mean that because Jesus is in me, I can hope that my life might turn out decent? I might get out of this thing a little bit ahead, just above the, the a little bit on the positive. I can hope. Because you know what? I started off the, with a teaching, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. So my expectation, when I first got to know Jesus, I was like, oh, maybe I can hope for a little more than nothing. Maybe I can hope for a little a little bit more. But no, this is Jesus in us should be flooding us with an expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded with us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. It's time for everyone to know it. And I just feel like God is releasing a word this year that is launching us into actually living in this divine mystery. Okay, living in this divine mystery, we get to experiment and research and search out this divine mystery this year. He's invited us to do that. He said it's being revealed. It's being unfolded. It's being manifested for all of us, for every holy believer. And God wants people to know it. So the takeaway lines I want you to remember as we close out this section is that when we experience pain, we experience pain so that the resurrection of life, resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. These are lines taken from three of those verses I just read. We experience pain and disappointment, so the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. Note, there are levels. It says that, one brighter level of glory to another. So maybe the healing that you get when you're 15 is level one. You know, if your heart gets broken when you're 15, that might be level one. So if you experience pain in that same way, again, a little bit later in life, that you just, it's another upgraded level. We go from glory to glory to glory. So one brighter level of glory to another. We're being transfigured. We're not staying the same. We're not going back to what we were before. We're actually being transfigured. There is a divine mystery, but now it is being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will discuss the dream that he gave me that gives even more framework for what he's inviting us into this year. So we'll take about a, a five to ten minute break. Try not to read ahead, okay? Let's just, let's just do this as a group together, okay? Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.